That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. Thanks for being with us. And I want to thank President Trump again for being our guest here on The Great America Show yesterday. The president was, as always, terrific. The president is clearly rested. He's strong and bringing much-needed leadership to the Republican Party. Still the America First Party and certainly still the Trump MAGA Party. Much, I'm sure, to the great discomfort and frustration of some, such as Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, and the liberal rhino wing of the entire GOP. As for the Democrats, they're as confused and out of touch with the American people as ever. They're simply delusional. Whether it's on Capitol Hill or Joe Biden, the puppet president, how will it all work out this November? No one. No one is more qualified to answer that question, to analyze the American political scene than our good friend, Ed Rollins. He is the political savant, preeminent political strategist, political scientist, historian. And no one has led more campaigns than Ed. Ed famously chaired the Ronald Reagan 1984 campaign when Reagan won the electoral votes of 49 states in a historic landslide. A truly great American. Ed Rollins, it is so great to have you with us on The Great America Show. Welcome, my friend. My pleasure, Lou. It's nice to be back with you. We miss you. Well, thank you very much. It's same... our daily fix of Lou. <laughs> well, there's no reason for that. You can, you can listen to me every day on The Great America Show. Uh, it's a little different uh, vehicle, but it's a great vehicle. I love this podcasting, man. It's still it's, the same, uh, same, same smart, smart, uh, Analyst by you. That's that's what counts. Well, thank you so much. And uh, let's get to, uh, you know, the, the body politic and the times we live in. First, uh, the elections, the president is doing great. I mean, he has something like a 90 plus uh, record of uh, wins on endorsements and uh, a handful of losses. Uh, what I get a kick out of anybody else, they would be calling him Nostradamus. Uh, but if, if it's Donald Trump, they, you know, they're saying, well, why doesn't he have them all? Your, your thoughts? My, my thoughts are he is the most significant ex-president um, uh, in his own party and in the country of anyone in my 50 years in active politics. Uh, and I worked for Reagan. I worked for Nixon. Uh, uh, even Reagan, as popular as he was when he was done, uh, he was done. I mean, he went out and built his library and those kinds of things. But uh, Trump is not... Trump is today owns this party. Uh, the big question now is, does he want to run for another shot? And if he does, then obviously he's going to be the, the nominee and he'll be a very significant factor uh, in anybody else's race. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's out, he's raising tons of money. Uh, and it's just a question of what does he want to do? Nobody else can do anything significant until he decides what he wants to do. And he can decide it as late as he wants. Uh uh, you know, the way the system is set up, you're not you're not going to beat him in primaries. Uh, you're not going to beat him in primaries. You may be some of the candidates that are out there running for other things this couple yesterday. Right. And I think I think where he's not been as successful is 
you know, a governor has a lot of built-in resources. And and like yesterday in in, uh, in Georgia, I mean, the governor there was basically uh, someone that Trump had serious problems with over the over the election. But the reality is, the governor was able to beat a, yeah. a not very good candidate. And why why Trump picked Purdue to be his candidate is beyond me because he wasn't a very good candidate when he ran for the Senate. Because his name wasn't Brian Kemp, I believe. Well, I think that may be. I think that may be. But at the end of the day, here, the game's going to be the same again. I mean, we've got uh, the key the key states. Uh, we've had two presidential races back to back, in which literally by less than a hundred thousand votes in both of them, a uh, hundred thousand votes combined in both of them. Uh, Trump won the Hillary and came back next time. And, and you know, the, the official report is that he lost by 40, 41,000 votes. That's probably going to be the same playing field again. Uh, uh, the difference is if Biden runs for re-election, he's a very, as we said often on your TV show, he was a very weak candidate who neither of us thought could win. Uh, and he probably wouldn't have won if it wasn't for Cobus and all the rest of it. Uh, but the reality is he's... People have got to see him up close. Uh, the, the expectations, which are low, uh, have been exceeded. Uh, he's at a record low and approval rating for a president. Uh, he's got nothing but problems ahead. He's bought the same old team back from the Obama days. Uh, uh, players by name and number that, are, that played before. Uh, and I think to a certain extent, their view of where this country should go is so far to the left of where the country is, deserves it should be. Uh, that my sense is that if Trump gets in this or any other Republican who ends up being the nominee, if for some reason Trump doesn't run, uh, then then I think I think Biden himself will have a very difficult time getting reelected. Yeah. There's some fascinating dynamics at work, as you're, as you're saying. Uh, amongst them, by the way, uh, is your own involvement in a new PAC that's raised a few eyebrows. Tell us about this Ready for Ron PAC uh, that you're heading up along with Lillian Rodriguez-Vaz of uh, Florida, uh, she was quoted saying, uh, we're not concerned whether or not Trump is going to run. Uh, what are we she's, to make of that? Well, first of all, it was a big mistake, and I chastised her big time yesterday. Our, our whole drill and, and, and my comments are that it, it's, it's, it's Trump to make his choice. If Trump wants to run, and as I just said, he can do it as late as he wants. Uh, uh, he's, I supported him all through his presidency and will support him again if he's the nominee of the party. Uh, she's a young girl who basically, and part of my intention uh, in putting this together was to have young people in here. She's a Floridian. She's, this is her first game. And, uh, but she doesn't, she doesn't speak for, the, for those that are going to be supported. The, right. the vehicle is, uh, there's a lot of things you have to do to get ready for presidential. Uh, and, and we did a lot of this for Trump uh, before he ran five years ago, uh, before you get a campaign up, and, and particularly when you're we're in a governor, you got to run for re-election. Uh, you know, you're, you're out doing the things you have to do to get re-elected, and you can't be out saying, I'm re-elect me, I'm going to run for president six months later. So they're, 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 there's a lot of people have come forth and said, if I can't have Trump, I want DeSantis. A lot of people say, I want DeSantis. And we're trying to give them a vehicle where they can uh, donate some money, do some things, get, get feel like they're part of the process. But I make it very clear again, uh, and I've said this, I said this in the announcement uh, of this pack, if Trump wants to run, uh, no one's going to beat him in our party. Uh, you can take a shot at him, but it's not going to be Mike Pence isn't going to beat him. No one else is going to beat him. And I think to a certain extent, uh, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll romp through a primary process. Uh, the party is his. I've never seen a 
ex-president have the control that he has. I worked for Ronald Reagan, who was a very popular president. Uh, right. Ronald Reagan, when he was out of office, went and built his library, and but wasn't a part of part of the political process. Uh, and Trump has decided he wants to be active, and he is, has been active, and and uh, people still turn out for his rallies, and he's, he's raised money like record numbers still as an ex-president. So until he decides, everything else is kind of on hold. And if if he does decide to run, will your pack will you turn the money over to? Uh, we will give him we'll give him all the vehicles that we we uh, pick. We've gone to the FEC uh, to get permission to do that because you can't do that at this point in time. Right. And that's certainly our intent. If he if he if he wants to run, as I said, this is the Great America Pack, which I've run for the last four years with a Trump Pack, uh, and this is kind of this is kind of a whole uh, a, a placeholder in the sense of you, you know you need to. There are people who don't live in Florida who want to be active in, in, in a conservative campaign. And right. again, I think he doesn't want to announce at this point in time because it then limits how much money he can raise and where he can go and what he has to do. He then becomes a so. Right. But, I, but I think certainly by the midterms uh, uh, and, and depending on what happens there, that he needs to get in the game and, and march forward. I mean, he is in the game, but I mean, he needs to announce what his intentions are. And no one else, no one else can play. I mean, they can all get out and talk about it. You can have Pompeo and you can have Pence and all the rest of them, but no one's going to be viable. Well, they, and, and, uh, nowhere uh, is there anyone who can uh, hold a candle to Ed Rollins as political savant and the number of campaigns that you've run, participated in over the years. Uh, this is a different kind of feel to it right now uh, because of what you talked about. President Trump is such a dominant force uh, being uh, a former president or as of right now. And the party is resisting him. The establishment uh, party is resisting him. His own vice president uh, is behaving as if he were at the top of the ticket uh, for, for, for the 2016 campaign and is a big time draw. Uh, Mike Pompeo, who is diffident and obtuse with his language uh, and somewhat meddlesome in uh, the, the race with uh, uh, in uh, with Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Uh, and I want to turn to that in a minute. But I mean, these are people they are not grateful. They don't have a sense of proportion. They have no sense of apparently their own standing in the world. Well, that's all of the delusions that sometimes happens to people that get to ride around in big cars with limousines and, and have fancy titles and sit in big offices for a couple of years. They think they earned it. There's only one guy who got votes uh, for the Republicans. That was Donald Trump. Uh, the rest of them are all basically live off a of reflected power. Uh, and you would think there would be more gratitude, but there's not. Uh, but it doesn't matter to the public out there, to the Republican base. Uh, uh, he is, he is the Republican party today and anybody that tries to step up and, get in his way is is going to get rolled over uh, you know again you take situations like governors uh, which is the couple the three or four races that he's endorsed and lost uh, he's gone up against pretty popular republican governors and people look at governors in a little different way so it's not yeah. it's not a question of him being on the tickets and trying to help people and that was clearly the case yesterday with uh, in, in, in georgia yeah, and we've got a lot of primaries coming up as i said his have you ever seen any uh, you know, president or otherwise, I've never seen anyone come up with a record on his endorsements uh, and, and victories uh, that he's got the highest winning percentage in in history. Don't you think? Absolutely. Well, first of all, let me let, let me just tell you something. 
I, I was Ronald Reagan's political director uh, in, the, in the White House and ran his reelection campaign. Uh, Reagan never endorsed a candidate. Uh, he did not want to participate in primaries. And, our, and part of that reason was uh, there was a lot of when he ran against Ford, he was he, 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 and, and Ford was the incumbent president. Uh, he wanted to have he, he felt it's important to let people go out and choose their 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 players. In Trump's case, Trump wants to pick people that he, you know, he, he sees it almost as a parliamentary type thing. You'd be a part of my team, and you, and I support you. Uh, he's he's swamped everybody in the fundraising. I mean, he has got he's more powerful than anybody's ever played in the Republican Party in a long, long time, uh, if ever. So my sense is, uh, you know, you're you're whistling by the graveyard, whether you like them or don't like them, and there's some few people who don't, and certainly the. If there's any, if there's any questioning, it's whether he's stayed too long trying to argue the, the election as opposed to saying, okay, uh, there was there was mischief that went on, but let's move forward. Uh, we're going to deal with it next time, and I'm going to talk about the great issues that I that I that I had that obviously have been altered by by Biden. I mean, I think the, the thing that I worry about is, um, and the media certainly is not a friend of ours, except for maybe Fox or a few others. But uh, the end of the day is is, is legacy, uh, which obviously is is magnificent when you compare it to the Biden legacy uh, on all, whether it's the economy or whether it's on uh, the immigration issues or whether it's foreign policy. Uh, uh, you know, he should be getting applauded every single day, but he doesn't. Uh, to those of us that know what he did, uh, you know, we applauded, but uh, but you know, he got he's he's got to he's got to go remind people of that. And I think the certain, you know, I mean, I think you know, he's a tough guy who wants to basically grind down people that stood up to him. And I think the reality here is that he needs to go out and be a salesman, put a salesman hat back on. Here's what I did, and here's what they're not doing, and here's what they're trying to undo, and that would do a great service to the country. Yeah, when listening to the president, uh, I talked with him yesterday. When he said, and I'm not quoting, I'm paraphrasing, when he said, it is a very sad thing to be watching all of these American cargo aircraft coming back from Europe, bringing in baby formula just to feed our children. Uh, he, was, he was emotional about that. It matters to him. Uh, you know, when, when we talk about the pain of these high prices, the gas pump, when we talk about what the working man and woman in this country is facing uh, and their families every day under this, uh, this idiotic uh, set of economic policies by this administration, uh, what does what President Biden do when asked about it? He starts talking about the great transition. Uh, it's mindlessness. He's, he is simply remote. Uh, unconnected uh, and out of touch. Well, can you just imagine? I mean, finding a solution for COVID, which obviously Trump was critical in making happen. Absolutely. We have baby formula where, where mothers can't get formula to feed their children. The greatest nation in the world, basically, it's it's embarrassing and appalling. Uh, and and you know. They say, oh, we're going to get it worked out. It'll be another eight or 10 weeks. Well, how many babies are going to die or have their lives affected by that? Uh, uh, that's something should have been priority number one. And he had slammed his fist on the desk. And it said, get it done. And it would have got done. Uh, and, I, and no excuses. The economy can't go along like this. We're, doing rec we're still doing record spending. Uh, and, and no one knows what we're spending. 
we just had one of the biggest scandals in my lifetime. I grew up in a Navy town, as you know. My father built nuclear submarines. We're now going to basically take brand new Navy ships, so supposedly the state of the art uh, in anti-submarine, anti-Soviet submarine uh, uh, ships, and we're going to tear them apart because it, the system doesn't work. They're brand new boats. Spent billions of dollars on that. You barely see a word on that. You ought to be taking the makers of those ships and just rape them over the coals. Uh, and, you know, I, I just feel we've lost control of the, of the spending, which is important. Uh, you know, we're not we're not doing anything for the quality of life of, of people here. Uh, and I think to a certain extent, we, we, we need moral leadership and, and you know, we, we don't have any. And then the, the idea that on the foreign front, we don't know what our strategy is in, in Ukraine. I mean, obviously... We, we need to we need to do what we can. But, you know, every other day, it's something new. Uh, the, the president going to Japan with North Korea on the edge there and talking about a 30 year old Taiwan policy that's we've walked away from. I mean, to me, it's so embarrassing to watch an American president go up, make a statement, stumble through it. And then five seconds later, his staff turns out and says, no, 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 he didn't mean to say that. Uh, uh, that was a mistake. That's, you know. I mean, it's uh, as I said. I've worked for three presidents. That doesn't. That's not what you're supposed to do. And the staff doesn't get to run it. The staff gets to advise uh, if you if a president wants the advice. But this president, every day, it's a stumble. Every day, it's. I mean, it's almost to an. I mean, you know, and he, even last night, watching him come back, uh, you know, in this tragic, tragic massacre in Texas, which obviously our hearts all ache. First thing he does is attack the, the NRA and basically yeah. doesn't do anything to provide, offer solutions or any of the rest of it. So uh, he's, well, he's just not providing the leadership. And I, and I go back to the point of, you know, I, I think I think this is a president that could be defeated in a heartbeat. If the election were this week or next week or even in, in, in November. Uh, but we've got three more years of this and, and two and a half more years of this. And it's just appalling. And we need a powerful voice on the other side. And it's not the Congress. And we've never seen, uh, we've never seen this level of disgust with where the country is headed. I mean, we're talking uh, over 70% of the country says we're headed in the wrong direction. Now you're, you're the, the expert, the, the, the genius of uh, strategy and tactics and politics and pre presidential politics in particular. But I don't know if you need to take another poll when you've got 70% of the country saying you're going in the wrong direction. Do you? No, you don't. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day here, the, uh, we have too many polls. Uh, the, the, the people know things aren't working. Uh, young people are so disgusted. You know, where, where, are their, where are their role models for the future? Uh, uh, and, you know, we went through this terrible disaster with the COVID for the last couple of years. Young people don't want to go back to work. I know people that own restaurants and other things here in New York, and they can't get, can't get people to go to work. They don't want to go to work for enormous sums of money, uh, $25 an hour to, to wait on tables, uh, $50 an hour to cook in a the kitchen. They don't want to do it. Uh, no. Nope, nope, thanks. I'll get the government program. I'm going to sit home, play on my computer. Uh, and I think it's just tragic. Uh, so, you know, they get up there and they rattle off a bunch of statistics that don't mean anything. And I think the confidence of the young people, which is really what matters here is the next generation, uh, is really being uh, diminished daily. 
and they watch the political squabbles go on. Uh, you turn on any of these cable TV shows, and you and I have been on them for many, many years. It's just it's all, it's all rhetoric. Uh, yeah. It's not it's not any solutions. It's not any any viable people that can change any of this because they don't have the guts to do that. So at least Donald Trump, you know, he got in there and basically made things happen. Uh, and I think someone like DeSantis and others who, who sort of are the same mode, uh, uh, obviously can, can do things similar. Well, let me, let me turn, if I may, to something that's, uh, well, two things that are very important. I think one is William Barr through his book and all of his press announce uh, press engagements and promoting his book acknowledged that he knew Joe Biden was lying in the second and final debate of the presidential election in 2020. He also acknowledged that that Hunter's laptop from hell, that that laptop and its contents were proof of the Biden family corruption. And he chose not to say anything as the attorney general of the United States, as he heard a former vice president lying to the American people seeking their votes and knew he was corrupt and lying. Uh, and so in so doing, he intervened on behalf of Biden. William Barr, Trump's own attorney general, is, in my judgment, uh, if you just consider his actions alone, responsible for a horrible cheating of uh, the American people of a fair election and changing history and not for the good. Your thoughts? I, I couldn't agree with you more. My, my sense is there's been such a failure, not only by someone like Barr, but by establishment institutions that we used to all have great respect for. The FBI can't function and won't function. Uh, the, the intelligence communities all over the place are just failing and failing miserably. Uh, you know, our, our, our military leadership, not our soldiers and our sailors, but our military leadership can't figure out what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, you know, and they're all getting their, ready for their books when they retire. And as I said, it goes back to they drive around in big limos when they're in the office. They have big flags in their office. Uh, they have big offices uh, and they don't do the job. And the job is basically you, what the president needs to have done to help him. Uh, and the Justice Department, to me, is just absurd. It's just, uh, you know, we're now going on our second year we'll go on our third year on the on the january 6th uh you know in about a 48 hours you could you don't have to interview everybody you walk the cameras and see the guys that were the ringleaders there and do whatever you want to do to them but uh, at the end of the day here we're going to go through you know the, the the country's bored with this stuff the country just just wants to fix it get you know, it I'm done a, you know and i'm afraid i'm afraid you're right that they're bored when in point of fact, right now, they should be tuned in to what the Sussman trial, the Michael Sussman trial is revealing. It revealed with from the Everything. mouth of the of the Robbie Mook, the campaign manager Amen. in 2016 for Hillary Clinton, that she was the person responsible for ordering the Russian hoax and for carrying it out with the Democratic Party, the National Democratic National Committee, as well as her campaign in the in in alliance with the deep state pervasive throughout the federal government. You're talking about the Justice Department. The Justice Department is a radicalized institution uh, filled with Marxist Democrats pressing an agenda. And we have now the deep state, the Democrat Party, so-called, and the White House all aligned 
behind what are Marxist principles, and they mean to destroy the, the very foundation of this country. Don't you think? Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. They, you know, they, they have a holier than thou attitude that we're a law, uh, and they're not the law. The law, the law is what's written in the Constitution, been passed by the Congress, and upheld by the Constitution and the Supreme Court. Uh, they're not. They're not fixing the laws. They're not basically imposing the laws. You know, we have a breakdown, and you know, we've got district attorneys now who are running on. We're going to dismantle the police. And we're going to put people in jail. We don't, we don't have a bail system. I mean, I live in New York City. Every other day, I pick up pick up something where, you know, a Goldman Sachs guy riding to work on in a in a and gets robbed at gunpoint, and turns out the guy who robbed him is is someone with twenty five arrests and never been in jail. I mean, we have a real breakdown in our judicial system. So I said to my daughter, who's going to Mexico next week, I said, I want you to be real careful. Uh, when you're down there, because there's a lot of a lot of stuff that's going on down there. She's dead. Can't be any more unsafe than New York City. Uh, you know, getting on the subway here is a, is a real challenge. Yeah. You know, that's a 26 year old young girl, uh, and it's it's just you know we we the failure of Giuliani at the end of his career here uh, should not diminish what he did when he was mayor for eight years and when he came in and cleaned the city up. We now have the worst mayor in the history who's going to run for Congress, de Blasio, who can't give up the public trough. He's going to run for a congressional seat. Uh, he's been mayor of the most important city in the country, one of the most important cities, the worst mayor by far. Uh, you know, it's it just and the, the whole premise is, you know, the, the bad guys get out and the good guys get punished. Uh, and me and the good ordinary people go to work every day. They're getting robbed on the street. They got to live, live in fear. And now you're going to see everybody saying, oh, because of this terrible tragedy in, in Texas, which it was a terrible tragedy, you got to take everybody's guns away. Uh, and, you know, it's absurd. It's just not going to happen. And equally as important, uh, if anything, I, I, I've been more people going out and buying guns today and next month uh, to protect themselves, uh, certainly protect, protect their kids. Uh, so there's a yeah. real breakdown in our society. And it's just, uh, and again, uh, there's no leadership. There's no clarity. Uh, we're spending $40 billion to supply Ukraine, which is a country struggling uh, in, in fighting for democracy, and, and we should help. But is there a plan? Uh, do we have a plan? Do they have a plan? Does NATO have a plan? Uh, I don't see any. Uh, and I think to a certain extent, uh, you know, you, they, they want to talk about Putin being crazy and all the rest of it doesn't matter. Putin's a bad guy. And what are our plans for him for the future? Uh, so I, is, I, I get, I get frustrated. I want to, I just want to go through something because I think you just said the words that are, that sum up our situation right now in the United States of America. We are in the midst of a breakdown of society. I think you've said it exactly right. We can't trust our government. We can't trust our institutions. We are facing forces that our leadership can't even comprehend, let alone respond intelligently to through public policy. What in the world is it going to take? Because we keep waiting for one election to the next. We finally elected a president in 2016 by pure, to me, uh, a pure adventure to bring in Donald Trump, not a politician, a man who was very certain of his values and his purpose and carried them out. And he was allowed to be uh, overthrown 
by his own attorney general, by the deep state, by the Democrat Party, by changing election laws, all of that. But at, at the very bedrock bottom, the Republican Party is riven uh, with a division that no one wants to acknowledge. No one talks about the liberal wing, the left wing of the Republican Party. They do about the Democratic Party. But the rhinos, only 11 senators, and as you know, only 11 Republican senators voted against that $40 billion for Ukraine. Money without purpose, without a target. And by the way, uh, the NATO nations, European nations, have only put up a fraction of that $40 billion. And it's their problem, not ours. What are we to do? You know, I... I, I... I'm getting worked up on this issue because obviously I'm, I spent a lot of time watching this war and, and, I, and I watched the, the president of Ukraine show great courage. But at the end of the day here, uh, what is our plan? And I, I went back and I read Dwight Eisenhower's uh, his farewell speech. He talked about the military industrial complex and, right. and the fears of that. And that's where we have become. We, we now produce weapons and sell weapons, and that's the game. Uh, I go back to the point of, of spending billions of dollars to destroy brand new ships, state-of-the-art ships. Uh, this was the ship that was going to be able to go out and find the Russian submarines, uh, supposedly the best technological stuff in the world. doesn't work. So we're going to tear them, scrap them, send them home, uh, uh, send them to a junkyard. Billions of dollars, and nobody cares. It's one little story somewhere. Uh, and the problem we have today is, is, is probably too much clutter coming at people every single day. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, it used to be the nation would sit around and back in our day, you know, you'd watch one of the news networks at six o'clock or six 30 and you'd sort of know what the agenda of the, of the, at least the news media was and the Congress and what have you. Now it's 24 hours a day. It's, uh, you know, hundreds of stations. It's, it's distorted stories, uh, uh, and you know, where, where do you find the truth? And what happens is people, young people in particular, find their own little niche. And that's all that they want to look at. They don't want to go beyond that. Uh, you know, I've read newspapers all my life. Uh, and I've read all kinds. I read the Wall Street Journal. I read the Washington Post, the New York Times. I want to know the full story. And I'm going to make my own judgments. Kids don't even read today. Uh, they, they put their headphones on and they get... I want all the news I can hear in three seconds or 30 seconds, maybe five minutes. Uh, then I want to get back to playing war games. And, and you know, it just, uh, uh, you know, and we're now going to have a big debate on this tragedy in Texas, which is outrageous. Yeah. But even if, even if you put the most severe, this is a troubled kid. This is a kid who obviously has now been killed justifiably. But at the end of the day, uh, the, the idea that you're going to have some kind of red flag. Uh, it's an 18 year old kid. He was not even, there was no record. Uh, he's yeah. a poor kid who basically was harassed, uh, in school and drifting. And where, where did you decide? He probably had never shot the guns before. Uh, so he goes on, he buys two guns and he goes into school cause he's just, and, and, and kills 19 little kids. Now, you know, we need to examine that. We need to, and the answer is not all oh, to stick away everybody's guns, which is what will be the Democrat strategy. Uh, what's going on in the society that's creating all this? Uh, and, you know, it's every week there's something somewhere. So, yeah. And, and by the way, public schools have to start taking responsibility as well. 
there is no reason that his teachers didn't know what was going on with that kid. There is no right. reason that there aren't resources within that school to give him mental, uh, at least make a mental uh, assessment uh, of his state of uh, of his state. Why in the world are we keep looking to take everybody's guns away? What is the purpose of that? Uh, will we take out, you know, it, 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 these are tools, they're instruments. The fact is we've got deeply troubled children in this country, and they're growing up into deeply troubled adults, creating even more problems for a society that acts indifferent uh, to, their, to their issues, their problems. We've got teachers more interested in educating and indoctrinating children five to nine years of age about gender choice uh, and sex. This is madness. We're institutionalizing madness. And what do we expect the result to be? And then we have an impaired president standing out uh, blubbering nonsense about guns when he should be talking about much deeper, much more profound issues. Uh, which he obviously can't comprehend, but you would think there would be someone in the White House somewhere uh, in the education department uh, who could deal with these complex issues and mount a policy. But there is no policy. There is no response. No, you're you're absolutely right. And every day it gets worse. I mean, obviously, every little kid that's in the first to the fourth grade is going to wake up today and hear something of the story and start having nightmares. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, I, 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 again, I, I look, I know you're a grandfather and love your kids. I love my daughter. Uh, I worry about the world for them. And it's not that this na- great nation's been through lots of things in yeah. the past, but we're more interested in renaming Confederate generals, military bases than we are, how we're training our troops and what are we training our troops to do. Right. And what is our other policies? Uh, so uh, I'm well, not overly encouraged. <laughs> nor am I, uh, my good friend, nor am I. But you know what? We're going to press ahead and we're going to prevail Absolutely. somehow, some way. I want One of the ways is our political choices that we'll be making this year, the midterms. Give us, give us your uh, outlook. Uh, on the midterms and what will be the result? Uh, we talked about most of the country, the vast majority of the country thinks we're on the going on the wrong direction. How will that reflect in the midterms? Do you think? Well, mid midterms are always kind of a of a, a change agent, and and uh, historically, the president's power party almost always loses seats, uh, uh, with one or two exceptions in modern times. Uh, we will take back the house. There's no ifs, ands, or or, or bet that's not going to happen. Uh, the Senate's going to be close. We can certainly win that back. What I worry about is what are we going to do with it when we get it? Uh, what is our agenda? Uh, what are we going to talk about? Uh, you know, our agenda for the last two years has been, you know, sort of stop Biden and Biden's programs. But what are we going to do? Uh, and that's the key thing. The, the party that finds the answers here, and certainly the Democrats can't find them, their answers spend more money on whatever. Uh, our answers don't spend any money and don't do anything. Uh, that's not a good agenda. Uh, and I and I and so I think to a certain extent, uh, Senate Senate's going to be uh, the, there's five or six seats that are going to matter. 
we have to win that Georgia seat with Herschel Walker last night. We have to win the Pennsylvania seat once that our candidate is decided there. Uh, we have to not lose any of our incumbents. We have to win in Nevada with the young Laxalt, uh, former attorney general's grandson of the great senator who was Reagan's chairman, uh, Paul Laxalt. Uh, but it's, it's going to come down again either, either way. If we win the House, it may, may be we have a 10 or 15 seat margin, uh, which means you've got to play lowest common denominator. In the Senate, as it is today, any any member of the Senate can be king. Uh, uh, you, you need you need to get some numbers here where you can really move some people. And even if you lose one or two, uh, you, but it's not a question of going in and changing as the 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 filibuster rule and all the things that Democrats talk about. Uh, uh, I, I just say thank goodness for Joe Manchin. Is what we difference with the House and Senate if it's all majority vote? Uh, uh, you know, and I, and I just think as a, as a political scientist, as someone that studied the presidency and taught about the presidency for decades, uh, I don't know when the presidency works anymore. I, I don't. I don't know if our basic fundamental system of government works unless we get a real person in there who really wants to lead, who has an agenda. Uh, it used to be in the country, uh, governors, uh, a lot of the southern governors in particular, there's a couple of them left, only got one term. So in the four years, you had to be decide what you were. Were you going to be the education governor and devote all your time and energy to that? Are you going to be the public works and rebuild roads? Uh, or are you going to be a governor that basically tries to do all things to all people? Uh, my sense of the presidency today is all things to all people uh, and nothing gets done. Uh, there's no overhaul. There's no no saying to the Justice Department. Why isn't it working? Why isn't our intelligence system working? Uh, why can't why in something as important as the presidency, we can't basically know that one side is lying and cheating uh, and and manipulating the process. Uh, so, you know, it, it's it, I'm an old man now. You know, and at the end of the day, it's been an extraordinary country and extraordinary life that I've lived. But I worry about the future and I worry about what we sit and see is critical. You know, we've always bragged about we're the, we're the beacon to the rest of the world on democracy. If we don't make it work, we don't believe in it as deeply as we did, it ain't going to work. Uh, you know, it's going to work if the Russians are pounding on your door and you're trying to save the country as they are in Ukraine. But at the end of the day, what's the, what's the long-term plan? What is the, what is the plan for China? What is the plan for trade policy? How do we, how do we make sure that people get and build jobs and, and housing and the things that we need to uh, without uh, bankrupting ourselves. Uh, right now, spending is at a level that's unsustainable, but yet we go on under this president, and it will go on under this president uh, until the Republican Party comes to term with what they're going to do with rhinos and how they're going to do it, and the future of Kevin McCarthy uh, and Mitch McConnell. The leadership of the party on Capitol Hill, as you well know, is rhino to the bone. And no one, no one that I've seen has the courage to stand up and say, this is unacceptable. This is the, this is the America first party. This is Donald Trump's party. This is make America great. And what do we have to lead us? Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, your thoughts. Well, they're not, they're not leaders. I mean, I've known McCarthy forever, and he's, uh, you know, at this point in time, he lost the speakership once, and he's going to do anything to make sure he doesn't lose it again, as opposed to saying, okay, I, 
if we get 218 Republicans, which I think we are, this is what I want us to do for the next two years or four years or eight years or whatever. Uh, you know, the, the wonderful thing is, and I, and I go back to the president I worked for, for Reagan. Reagan was for strong national defense. We had to rebuild the defenses of the country after the Vietnam debacle and what have you. He did that. He was for getting taxes lower because they were record high. He did that. He was for trying to advocate for small business, which he did that. Uh, he was trying to get government off the backs of, 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 of you know, the small business people, and he did that. The guy that followed him, who he handed the baton to, cut defense, uh, increased spending, increased taxes, uh, and couldn't understand why in his reelection, where the campaign I ran for Reagan, we got 59% of the vote. Bush got 39% of the vote seven years later. And that's and we're somewhere in between there now. You know, it's it just uh, as opposed to saying, all right, here is our policy. Economic policy is critical. Trade policy is critical. Immigration policy. My God, the, you look at these nightmare scenes on the on the border. Uh, and, and it's, uh, you know, everybody wants to come here. Uh, those who are here have to have to decide what they want. Uh, and at the end of the day here, it's a scary thought. A scary thought. And I, I'm going to uh, give you uh, what we do uh, with each of our guests, uh, the opportunity for closing thoughts. Uh, you get to have the very last word. The last word is go out and find someone who believes like you do and help them get elected wherever it is, state assembly, Congress, make the political system work again. Uh, and if it doesn't work, throw them out. Don't be afraid to throw them out. And that's what we need to do. Ed Rollins, the savant and great American. Ed, it has been a, a fascinating conversation. Thanks for being with us. I look forward to talking with you again soon. Uh, thank you and God bless you, Ed. Ed Rollins, thank you, my friend. And thanks, everybody, for being with us today. I hope you'll join us here tomorrow. We'll be taking up the chaos on our southern border, a border kept wide open by President Biden and his puppet masters, millions of illegals, deadly drugs pouring across that border into our country this year, already at record levels. Our guest is Mark Morgan, former commissioner of Customs and Border Protection. Please join us here tomorrow. Till then, God bless you. And God bless America.